Hey y'all, welcome to Pistons vs. Everybody. I am your host, Lazarus Jackson, and the podcast this week is being brought to you by Indochino, Harry's, and Roman. Indochino is the world's largest made-to-measure menswear brand. They make suits, coats, shirts, and more, and everything is made to your exact measurements for a great fit. They got some stuff in here about RJ Barrett's personal collection and whatnot that's cool and all, but this is Pistons vs. Everybody. We not really about that. What we are about, though, is simplicity, and Indochino's process is simple. You can get measured and design your suit at your nearest Indochino showroom, or you can do it all yourself at Indochino.com. You choose your fabric, you pick your customizations, you submit your measurements, and then two weeks later, the package is delivered straight to your door. Right now, when you go to Indochino.com, you can get $30 off your total purchase of $3.99 or more when entering Blue Wire at checkout. Plus, shipping is free. That's Indochino.com, promo code BLUEWIRE, all one word, for $30 off your total purchase of $3.99 or more. That's an incredible deal for made-to-measure clothing. You really have no excuse not to wear clothing that does not fit. Blue Wire. Blake Griffin has been traded to the Detroit Pistons. Blake Griffin, turn, drive, lays it up, lays it in! Reggie Fox, got it! Turn, fires... Hello, everyone. Welcome to Pistons vs. Everybody, the Detroit Pistons podcast on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I am Lazarus Jackson, your host. Pleased to be joined by Nikias Duncan of Bleacher Report, Dime Uproxx, Five Reasons Sports, SB Nation, B-Ball Writers, Twitter, wherever you get <laughs> basketball content, this guy exists. How are you, sir? I am doing quite well, even better after that introduction. Uh, no problem. And doing pretty good after that win last night, I imagine. Uh, yeah, finally got to check it out today. Uh, was a little disappointed by the second half, but I'm always a stickler for that kind of thing. So I trust your eyes. What, what's your impressions of what the Pistons put together last night? Uh, so it's hard to judge them because they're missing so much shot creation. And like when Luke Kennard is kind of your main source of offense and he played well, particularly in the second half, like he can't be it though. And that's right. what kind of, that's where things kind of break down for Detroit. Like you can't ask for Andre Drummond to do too much. He had like a nice Euro step in transition, but then a few possessions later, he tries it again and then his offensive foul. So you can't really tax him with that much on ball creation. And if it's not him or it's not Luke, then I'm just not sure where the offense comes from. I mean, and last night it was, they missed a bunch of open looks that they somehow like managed to generate in the first half. Mm -hmm. And if those looks go down, like they can they can put together some offense. Then those looks went down in the second half. And that was the story last year, right? But now this year you would hope with the additions of Blake and uh or with the addition of Derrick Rose, especially, like they would get more shot creation. But now those dudes aren't playing and it was it was maybe unreasonable to expect those dudes to play sixty games or whatever, but you didn't expect them to start the season without those guys essentially either. Yeah. And so it's it's panic time. <laughs> uh in theory, it's panic time, but like the bottom of the East is such a mess that it really isn't. I don't think it's time to hit the panic button yet. Thank you, thank you for saying that because now I don't have to anymore. That's great. <laughs> so, the thing I noticed last night was something that also was indicative of Miami last year was that the zone defense gave them trouble. But like Jimmy Butler was supposed to be able to beat that 
with his shot creation. And that didn't really happen until the fourth quarter. Did the zone defense work? And if so, why? Uh, a little bit of mixed results. I did feel like Miami was still generating some pretty decent looks. I don't know how much to attribute to the zone more so than Miami kind of letting their foot off the gas after they built such a big lead. Um, they did get a little turnover happy in the second half. So I would, I think that's a little bit of the zone and trying to figure out how to break that down. But once you got late in the fourth quarter and Jimmy Butler actually got aggressive, I think you kind of saw that break down a little bit. Yeah, definitely. Jimmy's Jimmy. I think Jimmy was like coasting for like two thirds of last night and he still managed to be insanely impactful. He had like 13 assists to no turnovers and the, the shot creation element just wasn't there for you guys last year. And that that's been a huge addition. Oh, yeah. And I, I even because uh, I ended up threatening about the game since I missed it la- live last night. And I said in the thread that Jimmy Butler had a great floor game, but that was also the worst defensive performance I've seen from him all year because he just he had the Luke Kennard um, matchup for most of that game. And he just struggled tracking him like it, he'd come off a of curl. Kennard's running free. He'd move off ball. Jimmy's kind of ball watching a little bit. It just didn't feel like he was putting forth much energy, which is odd because he really, really wasn't asserting himself on the offensive end either. So I'm not sure what his deal. I don't know if it was just kind of underestimating Detroit or what, but it, it just did not seem like a great effort game until he absolutely had to. And then he kind of turned it on making some big shots late. Yeah, maybe I felt like he was playing center field a little bit in the first half. Where you know he had that he had that one steal off the yeah. uh, off the pin down. He was just kind of ignoring Luke because Luke wasn't shooting well, and he figured he could coast on both ends and take it easy. But uh, in the second half, obviously he turned it up offensively. And that 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 was what was necessary. Seeing you don't need defense if you're already up thirty, you got to keep scoring points. <laughs> Very true, yeah. and it was good to see Jimmy kind of take kind of take the bull by the horns there at the end. Yeah, we definitely missed that last year. They were giving those reps to Josh Richardson, who was better in the clutch, at least when he actually got to take shots than many Heat fans remember. But, you know, the turnovers, the indecision, that kind of thing uh, was not very fun. So it's kind of a breath of fresh air to have Jimmy Butler closing the door this year. Definitely. And the other the other thing that's different for you guys this year is Bam. Bam took a little a little leap. Twelve, nine and five, five assists from a big man. Okay on only like 18% usage, is it just more freedom? Is it just more responsibility? Is it just like it's year three and dudes get better in year three? What is it with Bam? I think it's a combination of all three. Um, By all accounts, Bam is an extremely hard worker. That's part of why Miami drafted him. Um, They felt like he had a lot of upside. I didn't particularly agree with that at the time of the draft. I just didn't have to say You've been real off on these draft picks lately. Yeah, it's (laughs) (laughs) hasn't been great. It has not been great. Uh, will not live down the Ek Payudo tweet, but it's fine. I made fun of myself the other day about that. But, uh, yeah, it's part of him making that leap with Hassan Whiteside being out of there. Bam's obviously getting more minutes, and they've given him more freedom, particularly on the elbows. They run a lot more post-split action, kind of utilizing that passability that Bam has. And Bam has thrown some absolute dots this year. Like, he showed flashes of being a good passer and a good ball mover last year. I did not anticipate him like nailing pocket passes and just threatening the needle on cutters the way that he has been this year. That that's kind of been a pleasant surprise. So like philosophically, how valuable is it to have a guy who can do that from the center position, who can face up an attack, who can face up and pass, who you can run split actions with? Because like that that's something I'm wondering about as we're watching Andre Drummond. 
like Andre Drummond is like being forced to to be used a lot more than perhaps he should be because of the injuries, because of the lack of shot creation on the roster. And he's he's doing okay. You know, five assists, four turnovers is like a pretty regular occurrence. Mm-hmm. And but at the same time, like that's not his ideal role. So I'm wondering like how useful it is to have a center who can do that in today's NBA. Uh, I think it's incredibly useful because I think at bare minimum, it stresses all five guys on the court because typically, especially like a guy like an Andre Drummond or guys that aren't super, aren't hyper mobile, obviously Andre's mobile, but he wants to camp around the paint. You prefer that he plays in like a drop scheme and keep him near the rim. When you have a guy like Bam, if you're hanging off of him, he's also a good screener. Once you have a guy, you can run some dribble handoff action. If you have a good pull-up shooter, then you're basically giving a shooter a free look. Um, if you don't press up on Bam, if someone else falls asleep on the back line, he's picking out cutters, and that's something we need from Bam this year. So it kind of forces your center to pressure the ball, and once you have a guy like Bam who can who also has some dribble coordination, can also beat some guys off the dribble, then you're forcing the rotation that way. So if you're you're playing inside out but kind of in a non-traditional way, and you have the big man kicking it out to a spacer, and that just creates more looks. And that's part of why Miami's, I think, top five in assist percentage right now. In the league, they're generating a lot of good looks, and Bam has been a big part of that. The The other thing with Bam that was my concern going into the year was that uh, he himself is not an amazing rebounder, but uh, the you wrote yesterday that the rebounding with him on the floor hasn't been as bad as you might think it would be. Is that just because most of the time they're playing two bigs, or has he, he, t- has he taken a jump on, on the rebounding level, or what's up? Um, I think he has taken a little bit of a leap as a rebounder. He's obviously a great athlete, and we saw that in the game last night. He was really battling hard with Andre Drummond, just kind of flying in, getting some contested boards. That really impressed me. Um, but other than that, I do think playing with two bigs helps a little bit. Um, Myers Leonard is a really big body, obviously as an athlete, but he boxes out well, so that helps, especially when you have Bam kind of roaming around the perimeter. Um Justice Winslow is out right now, but in general, having a bigger backcourt with him in, I think that's helped a little bit as opposed to Goran Dragic since Justice is also a good rebounder. Um, what's kind of surprised me, I, as you mentioned, I wrote about it in my piece, The Launching Pad, um, the Heat have been a better defensive rebounding team with Bam on the floor, but they've been a worse offensive rebounding scheme, and I'm still trying to figure out if that's kind of scheme that they're trying to get the guys back in transition or if the bench unit is kind of crashing the glass a little bit more. I know Derrick Jones Jr. has been out, but when he's in, he loves to fly in, try to get those tip slams and things of that nature. But uh, I've been pretty impressed with Bam overall on the glass. I mean, my my initial thought would be that it's just that Myers Leonard, like because he's on the perimeter so much, isn't he can't impact the offensive glass in the way he could the the, the defensive mm-hmm. glass. And like Myers Leonard, I was looking through your lineups. Like Myers Leonard's been the the secret sauce that's making a lot of these things work. Like the the three man pairing of like him, Jimmy, and uh, Bam is like plus twelve or something. Three man pairing of like him, Bam, and Kendrick Nunn is like plus twelve. And uh, you know, Kendrick Nunn's play started the season hot, but uh, that that's something that makes sense to me on its face, right? Like that freeing up Bam to to roam the perimeter defensively, locking down, boxing out for other guys, especially like you said, when a guy like Justice is out there at his uh, natural position of point guard, crashing mm-hmm. the glass, <laughs> uh, I think we'll, we'll, it, that'll continue to pay dividends um, on the defensive glass. Yeah, now I would just add Myers. It really hasn't felt like Myers Leonard has played particularly well, at least to me. And maybe that's just me having a high bar. But uh, he's definitely fitting. Mm-hmm. Again, he's been a big body that's really helped out on the glass. 
Um, just the threat of his shot has opened up the offense a little bit. And when you have him spacing around the top of the key, you have Bam kind of at the elbow passing. Those lanes are wider. Um, it makes those cuts even that more deadly. So um, he's definitely been a plus. So if the Heat are third, you said third in assist percentage? Yeah. If they're third in assist percentage and still like bottom half in offensive rating, what, what's wrong? Because you, you, you have shooters. You have Jimmy Butler in isolation. Is it just the injuries? What, what's going on? I feel like it's the injuries. It's also trying to find the fit between Jimmy and um, Justice. They, they've kind of been playing your, my turn, your turn, trying to figure out who's going to initiate and who's going to kind of be the scorer. Justice has struggled as a scorer so far this year. He's trying to add that intermediate game, um, taking a lot of floaters. Um, the team in general has taken a lot of shots between like that 6- to 12-foot range. And I'm not sure if that's just a case of like Bam and Justice exploring their games, if that's what teams are kind of giving the heat when they're playing drop against them and just kind of leaving up those floaters. Kendrick Nunn is another guy that takes a ton of those. So I would probably attribute it more to um, that fit and also taking a lot of shots in the mid-range area. That just isn't an efficient source of offense right now. So I think once you trade that out for more threes or you get more free throws in there when Jimmy actually asserts himself and get to the line, I think you'll see an uptick in offense. Yeah. Who who do you want taking more threes in this team, though, besides like Duncan Robinson and, and Tyler Hero, who didn't play last night, and I was disappointed about that? Um, I'm fine with Gorn taking more. He actually hasn't taken as many as I thought, even though he's off to a fantastic start, especially on those off-the-dribble threes. He looks a lot more comfortable taking those. Um, you'd like to see that. Whenever Justice comes back, you would like to see him work through those kinks. He hasn't started. He hasn't shot the ball well to start the year. But I think giving him more of those catch-and-shoot opportunities would be good for him. Um, Bam has taken a couple from the corner. I kind of like to see that within the flow of the offense. I don't want him to turn into That's interesting. I like that. He has knocked down one. I'll give it to him. He looks good. He's taken a lot of jumpers this year. So I'm fine with him exploring his game that way. But that would probably be my – I also like Myers to take more. His release is so slow. It really kind (laughs) of kills that. But uh, he's obviously (laughs) been efficient on threes this year. So if you can get that to uptick a little bit in terms of – that was it. I warned you about that when that you trade did, happened you did. because because I've watched that dude in Portland just like kill a lot of potential Dame assists by not being able to get a shot off. And in I'm time. just not sure what the issue is. He's so open. It's been like that since Illinois, man. I don't know what to tell you. So yeah, Goran Dragic is he? He's healthy for the first time in like two and a half years because he wasn't as has he he wasn't as good like two years ago. He was he was as good as All Star year, and that was three years ago. Yeah, but like, what what has gotten into Goron? He was dissecting them in the first half last night. Um, I think lowering his minutes a little bit, finally bringing him off the bench, has energized him. Playing him against more second units has definitely helped. And again, he's more comfortable as an off the dribble threat, and I think that's made it's made it difficult. Well, it's made it more difficult for defenses to handle him now. Because once Goran started to lose a little bit of speed, you can say, all right, let me just drop under the screen so he can't, you know, throw elbows into my rib cage and get to the rim. <laughs> so you kind of saw that last year when teams were starting to duck under those screens, he'd be able to um, kind of control himself, take a pull-up three that way. Now he's starting to take those sidestep threes. He's starting to take step-back threes. And they're going in at a high clip. So once you have to press up on him, he can he's still physical enough to get to the rim, and he's still a pretty good finisher at the rim. So now he's become more of a, I guess, a two and a half level score, not necessarily three level score. If he doesn't have that mid range jumper to in his bag, 
Um, not enough to call him a three level scorer, but he's he's definitely having a great year right now. Is the is the plan still to flip him at the deadline for somebody better? Uh, I don't think the Heat are going to do that. I would probably still flip him for a wing if possible, because I do think the Heat are kind of a wing short, like a another wing, wing short. Yeah, they're just they're so small. Like they're starting Duncan Robinson now because Justice is out. But once Justice comes back, you're going to be looking at, I guess, if you don't um, if you don't keep Duncan Robinson in the lineup, it might not be that big of an issue. But I think he's outplayed Kendrick Nunn to this point. So if you were to keep Duncan Robinson in as kind of that spacer and the guy that can kind of create some gravity off the ball, you're looking at Goran Dragic and also Kendrick Nunn and also Tyler Hero off the bench, and that is just incredibly small and not very proficient defensively. But I just feel like Miami needs one more three and D wing to kind of balance things out. They need to consolidate a little bit. Is is this the part where I make the Dion Waiters joke? Is that is that where this is? <sighs> Look, man, I, <laughs> for like two weeks I've been trying to talk myself into like, okay, well maybe Tony Snell isn't that bad if we can try to work a Dion Waiters Tony Snell type thing. Like it, it makes more sense. But then Dion had um, things happen. And uh, yes. this does not appear that he's going to be traded anytime soon, if at all, because his trade value is, you know, in the toilet at the moment. They they sent him home, right? They just like suspended him for a couple of games. They're like, "Don't be near the team. Like, we don't want you anymore." Yeah. He, he's out for ten, and like that's independent of the league. So I don't even know if there's going to be another suspension tag on top of that or not. It's. I mean, technically, he didn't test positive for it, THC. So. <sighs> It, I mean, technically, sure, but uh, I, I don't, I don't, I don't know if I should really comment much more on that. It's just an unfortunate situation for everyone involved. That's fair. That's fair. I don't want to get you in trouble <laughs> on a on Pistons versus everybody. <laughs> Humans have been shaving for thousands of years, and the secret to a great shave is that it really hasn't changed all that much. The ancient Egyptians didn't need flex balls or heated handles, and neither do you. That's why Harry's doesn't overcharge you to add gimmicky features to their razors. They focus on delivering what actually matters. Sharp, durable blades at a fair price. I love Harry's because it gives me a close shave, an easy glide at a low price. Do me a favor and check out harrys.com slash bluewire for your free trial today. I don't know if you guys know this, I'm black, so the hair comes out of my face curly. So if the blades aren't good, I get really bad razor bumps all over my neck, and I hate it. That's why Harry's was so essential for me. They have quality, durable blades at a fair price, just two bucks a blade. It's also really convenient. The blade refills are delivered directly to your door, on schedule, with or without a subscription, and there's no risk for you to try them out. If you don't love your shave, you let them know, they'll give you a full refund. Listeners of my show can redeem their Harry's trial set at harrys.com slash bluewire. You'll get a weighted ergonomic handle for a firm grip, five-blade razor with a lubricating strip and trimmer blade, rich lathering shave gel with aloe to keep your skin hydrated, and a travel blade cover to keep your razor dry and easy to grab on the go. Go to harrys.com slash bluewire to start shaving better today. about erectile dysfunction is not easy. Usually, you just brush it off or blame yourself, saying things like, I lost my mojo, 
or you can avoid it altogether with excuses like, I had a long day at work, or sorry, honey, I'm just not feeling it. You know, I've been with my wife 10 years, been married for four. You never expect those words to come out of your mouth, and then they do. And then you're like, wow, wow, like who, who am I? What, what have I become? Who can I talk to about this? Luckily with Roman, it is easy to talk about it with a real doctor who can prescribe real medication. It's simple, safe, and totally discreet. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your own home. The doctor will work with you to find the best treatment plan, and if medication is appropriate, Roman will ship it to you with free two-day shipping. The whole process is straightforward, simple, and discreet. Getting started is also simple. You just go to GetRoman.com slash BlueWire and complete an online visit. ED used to be tough to tackle, but now there's Roman. Complete an online visit today to connect with a doctor and take care of it. Just go to GetRoman.com slash BlueWire to get a free online visit and free two-day shipping. That's GetRoman.com slash BlueWire for a free visit to get started. GetRoman.com slash blue wire so but the team if you if they're one wing away they are still trying to make a move there's forever the bradley beal rumors there's uh the there was the light chris paul rumblings that i think are pretty quiet now chris don't seem like he's going anywhere uh fortunately i don't know i haven't watched any okc games this year so what who's the guy you're looking at that to add to this heat team um i think if you're just going like the consolidation route um, I would look at like, you know, Tony Snell, which, you know, isn't a sexy name. Uh, Trevor Reza also isn't a sexy name, but just a guy with a middling salary that can kind of fill in the gaps on the second unit. Um, if we're going big name hunting, then uh, I would like to keep an eye on your team and see what Detroit looks like in a month, because uh, there also there've already been a little bit of rumblings about maybe Detroit wanting to flip Blake if things don't go well and try to get out of that money. Um, he definitely fits the big name profile that the Heat would want to go after. I think there's a fit there. What would you be willing to part with for Blake Griffin? Okay, before we get started on this, I don't want to trade Blake. Like I don't, I don't, I don't want that to be how the season goes down. Mm-hmm. But if it continues on this path, like you, you, I see why it could happen. I don't, still don't like it, mm-hmm. but I, could, I see why it could happen. But the thing I'm looking for with Blake is a young dude some bad salary and picks and y'all have the young dudes, but y'all don't got that much. Well, you got some bad salary and you don't have any picks. So like, what, what are you going to offer me for Blake Griffin? Um, I think to make it worthwhile for Detroit and because of Miami's pick situation, I think that kind of takes the whole use going drug just the salary filler type thing out of the window. And I think Miami mm-hmm. kind of have to give up just as Winslow in that trade, which I would hate, but I do think they have, if just as your point guard, they have enough guard depth, to kind of sustain that loss. So you would probably be looking at something like Justice and also James Johnson and maybe Derrick Jones Jr. in that 2025 first. I think something like that would at least get the conversation going. I, I am intrigued. 2025 is a long time away. That it is. And that's a lot of time for things to go well or poorly for, mm-hmm. for both sides. Uh and I'm glad that you included Justice because Justice is a dude I'm looking at just as a wing-sized wing who can also handle the ball, can mm-hmm. shoot a little bit, can pass a lot, can pass a lot, 
uh, maybe you can craft him into a guy who can be a, a two level score at the rim and from three. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I was thinking maybe maybe Kelly Olynyk. You don't you don't really need him anymore if you got Blake. You can run with uh, uh, Blake and Bam and yeah. uh, Myers Leonard's your third big. Yeah, I think I don't think Miami would haggle over James Johnson's versus Kelly Olynyk if Blake is legitimately on the table. See, the thing is for me though, like, all right, that goes down. All of a sudden now it's like you got you got Justice Luke, Tony Snell, I guess, uh, Christian Wood. Markeith Morris and, and Andre Drummond, like that is, is also not a team I'm super interested in watching. And so, <laughs> and so, but at that point, like if you trade Blake, you got to trade Dre too, because Dre's the expiring contract. Dre's a dude who openly talked right. about getting paid this off season. Um, people, people around town are, are terrified that he's going to get a max. And I don't know how many different ways to say like, it's almost impossible for him to get a max. That doesn't mean he's not going to get paid. It just means like no one's going to offer a center who can't shoot threes, uh, $30 million. Like that's just not happening. And so, yeah, I don't know. It's tough. Like, it, but if the, if it keeps up like this again, I, I can see myself getting talked into it. Yeah. I, th- I think it's a, it's a move that would make sense for both sides. It gets Miami in win now mode. You get a guy, you guys get another young wing and which, should help while you kind of wait on Seku to become something. What is going on with him right now? He's in Grand Rapids right now. He's chilling. He uh, he's a little basketball baby, just all <laughs> arms and legs. No idea what what he's doing, but uh, he had some pretty nice moves in the uh, Washington game. Can can already shoot, which is a bonus. You don't have to teach him how to do that. Shoots a little bit of a moon ball, mm-hmm. but uh, you can tamp that down a little bit. But yeah, he's uh, he's he's eighteen. It's gonna take him a while right he's gonna be he's the next iteration of this team Mm -hmm. and uh i don't know i don't know if you can simultaneously build the current iteration of this team and the and the next iteration at this team simultaneously which is why you'd entertain a blade trade why you'd entertain an andre trade right Uh, if if things continue to go the way they're they're going but yeah but how do we how do we start talking about this? I didn't want to talk about this. <laughs> <laughs> hey man, we transitioned from Gorn and if you would trade Gorn and I was like, well, since we're talking about trades. Yeah, that's fair. Okay, so I wanted to ask about Miami. I wanted to ask you about their expectations going into this season because I personally have been getting flamed on Heat Twitter. Mm-hmm. I don't know who these dudes are. These dudes are just popping out of the woodwork. Well, but uh, Heat Twitter is fierce. Heat Twitter does not forget. But I expected them to be like a 43-44 win team going into this season. And it looks like they could outstrip that wholeheartedly. Where where were you going into the season? Um, like towards the beginning of the season, I started inching my way towards Miami can fight for three because I just think I started thinking about the mix itself and just how much of a mess it's kind of been as far as roster clutter, um, the Hassan Whiteside thing with Eric Spolstra, uh, the Deion Waiters thing before it really became a Deion Waiters thing. It was just a lot of moving parts. So I think once that got cleared up a little bit and then you add a guy like Jimmy Butler who can actually close doors for you, um, the regular season ceiling was a little bit higher than I think the mainstream thought it was. And they've kind of exceeded my expectations, funny enough. So so where where are the new expectations at? After after 10 games, you're 7-3, and three, you survived the early season West Coast trip. Like, where, where are you thinking this team could be? Um, I think between 47 and 50 wins is fine if they can stay relatively healthy. 
Um, I still kind of viewed him as like a second round out, though I guess that would depend on what the matchups are. Um, I'm still not sure how much I trust Boston on the interior yet, so that's a matchup that would intrigue me in the second round just off of that. But uh, that's obviously looking way ahead. But I do think like flirting with 50 wins in a second round appearance is where Miami should be aiming right now. Who would you would you want Boston? Boston's got the best def- interior defense in the league right now. I think like shockingly, like Marcus Smart is closing games at center for them, and like weird stuff's mm-hmm. happening. Jayla, you know, obviously the, the Hayward injury, but he'd be back by the time the playoffs started. There's still a chance that they make a consolidation trade for a mm-hmm. big man. Why Boston? Um, I think it's just the lack of a big man right now. I don't. I think that feels like a little bit of noise as far as the interior defense. I do think. Um, Brad Stevens is a phenomenal defensive coach, and I don't want to take that away from him. They've been an elite three-point defense since they've been there, and they are piecing together a great interior defense right now. Robert Williams has been really good to start the year. Uh, But I just don't know how much I trust that right now, and I think that's kind of where my confidence would come from. I would think Miami could probably do some things on the glass there if they get more aggressive schematically. No, that that makes a lot of sense. How do you how do you feel about the if you were if you were to get your Boston you get out of the first round you get your Boston matchup how do you feel about Philly or Milwaukee in in the conference finals? Uh, I think in that case I would want to face Milwaukee just because Miami has already showed they have they can have some success. Well, what you can define as success anyway against Giannis because he's just a world beater at this point. <laughs> at this point, but at least in theory Miami has like a justice to throw at Giannis. They have a James Johnson to throw at Giannis. They have a Jimmy Butler to throw at Giannis. They have a Bam to throw at Giannis. So you have bodies that can at least tire him out, and they're still a three-point reliant team, and we've seen them go cold in playoff series before. So the thing is kind of hold Giannis to under 50 and then hope Brooke Lopez doesn't hit eight threes. Like I feel like Miami can feel a little um, confident in that matchup. Wait, I was going to say, is that Nikias Duncan offering Chris Middleton slander? Is that what I'm hearing? Ah, uh, That's not a thing I'm doing, but my very large <laughs> son is hurt right now. So I just gotta... <laughs> it's like, that is, that is really bad for the personal brand. <sighs> it is bad. I, I feel so bad about the Chris Milton thing because this all started with me saying, hey, Chris Milton is good. You should pay attention. And then I just got on my soapbox about it. And now he's getting paid and now he's just getting slandered when he doesn't average 30. And it just hurts because I can't really say much about him making like 30 something million dollars a year. But, the, the price and the power. Yeah, it's just it's just tough. I should have hopped off a year early, but now I'm just kind of here. And I just got to take my lumps with the whole Chris Middleton thing. Uh, the band, you know, you can exit the bandwagon uh, whenever you so choose. I mean, you know, you can exit the bandwagon when they are forced to trade him to get somebody Giannis can actually play with in the playoffs. <sighs> that hurts. They that need hurts. they need a second dude, and he's not that second dude. But the Boston series, man. It... Maybe he just really hates Brad Stevens. Like I don't, I don't know what to tell you. No, fair enough. That that might just be it. <laughs> Yeah, but uh, so, hmm. all right, we we've gone a bunch of places. Uh, <laughs> wait, no, actually, there was there was one more thing I wanted to get your one more Pistons related thing I wanted to get your your eyes on. What did you think of Bruce Brown point guard? Because that's something that that's something that maybe holds interest for you know the future iterations of the Pistons I was talking about earlier. But you know, right now he's a, he's an unfinished product. Mm-hmm. But again, I, I trust your eyes. What, what did what did you see from Bruce Brown last night? Uh, it didn't look bad. If I remember correctly, this was also a thing that he was doing in summer league and also preseason. That's correct. I feel like I've caught a couple of games that he was doing that in. Like he 
doesn't look out of sorts. Like there are obviously some decision-making issues that he has to work through. And like, he has to be able to shoot at some point to kind of really bring that full circle. But uh, I do not mind him getting the reps. He seems to have a solid feel for the game. Um, he's already a pretty good point of attack defender. So, I mean, I, I feel like there's a path there to him becoming a pretty solid secondary ball handler that can kind of hold down the offense in spurts. He had 11 assists last night. It was pretty good. But he was still minus 16 somehow. The The issue for him is he's, he's really struggled defensively this year. And the, the entire mm-hmm. team has really struggled defensively this year. And it's really difficult to figure out why. Like, I'm... I was reading Duncan uh, Duncan Smith put a, together a Forbes piece on the defense like literally earlier tonight, and I'm going through it, and mm-hmm. it's the the principles of what they're doing defensively are exactly the same they were last year. They are not forcing they're forcing teams to take a lot of mid range shots. They're not allowing a lot of three pointers. They're allowing uh, too many shots at the rim right now, but uh, they're allowing mm-hmm. a good number of mid range shots, and teams are just making them, and so that looks really bad. Yeah. And so you, you have to imagine that turns around pretty – if it's going to turn around, you have to imagine it turns around relatively soon. But at the same time, mm-hmm. it, it hasn't. And right now they're 27th in defensive rating. That's bad. Yeah, yeah that's kind of one of the things that I noted in passing when I was doing that game threat. Like Detroit's half-court defense didn't really bother me at all. It's They were a supreme miss in transition. And I feel like that's where Miami got a lot of their buckets. Uh, they just failed to match up. But half court, I mean, you have Andre Drummond dropping, and he already has incredibly quick hands, so you can't really make the passes that you think are open when Andre Drummond's guarding pick and roll. Um, yeah, I don't think the defense – to your point, I don't think the defense is as bad as the numbers say right now. Yeah. The, uh, the other thing is they're kind of small on the perimeter. And, you know, maybe Miami last night is not the, the best team to show that off, especially – Without a uh, without like a Tyler Hero, without a Justice Winslow, but you know, mm-hmm. in crunch time or towards the end of the game, we'll say like Bruce Brown is guarding Jimmy Butler, and Jimmy Butler's got you know two inches and thirty pounds on Bruce, and and that yeah. means that like Langston Galloway is chasing out around Goran, and like Langston's I got God love Langston, he's playing he's playing insanely well this year. It's everything I could have asked for, but he's still six mm-hmm. two, right? <laughs> Very true. There's there's only but so much he can do. And so it's just uh, the the lack of size in the perimeter has just been a killer for this team. But it worked last year, so why isn't it working this year? Who knows? All right, uh, what what haven't what haven't we talked about that you that's been like on the back of your mind? Like, what have you been thinking about? Uh, I'm trying to imagine Andre Drummond in a Hawks uniform now, just to see what that would look like. But uh, other than that. I don't have anything extra. I want to touch on Blake to Miami, but we already ran through that. So I don't have any real passing thoughts there. Um, Christian Wood is good. I think he needs to get a little bit more playing time. Okay. No, that's good. Christian Wood is good, but the the defensive lapses are just like killing him with the coaching staff. And is is it's a defensive mindset with the coaching staff. That's the not not necessarily the issue, but like if mm-hmm. if he were uh, more defensively inclined, like he would be getting more minutes, but he's an offensive guy. And so it is what it is. That's fair. It's, I mean, I guess it's hard to see that and then hear that. And then also watch Don maker for a bunch of minutes. You are telling me. <laughs> uh, the theory of Don maker is so much better than the, than Don maker in practice. It's like, I wonder, I, I wonder if the zone, like 
is better for him just as a guy who can, because he's a great communicator and obviously he's got length, but those Mm -hmm. are literally the only two things he's got going for him. And so if he stands in the middle of his zone and just barks out orders, maybe that could work. I don't know. That should be fine, honestly. Like I I was very much a thon maker trooper um, in year one, especially in that. I can't even remember who the Bucks played the first round of that playoff series. But he was like guarding guys 35 feet from the hoop and like holding up. I was like, okay, so Don Maker's actually going to be a thing. And then he just never became a thing. Was that the Toronto series? It might have been the Toronto series. All I know is that he he fared extremely well, very far from the hoop. And I was just like, well, if he's a 7 1 with that kind of wingspan and he can move and he can hit three sometimes, then Milwaukee might have something. But uh, they rightfully moved on from him. So I guess that's kind of the end of that. Yeah, he can't. Can't catch, can't finish because he can't catch. Doesn't <laughs> doesn't rebound because uh, like Jimmy Butler can like throw him out of position. Oh my gosh! Okay, so there was I was talking about this with uh, with Kyle Maggio on uh, on the last podcast. They played the Knicks, and there was a moment where like RJ Barrett like lowered his shoulder, and Thon like flew into the third row. Oh, like man. RJ Barrett. <laughs> oh man, Thon's got to eat his weedings, man. That can't happen. <laughs> Is real bad, so yeah, they got it. They got to figure out backup center, obviously. But Casey, yeah, Casey just likes that Don knows where to be. He can't make an impact when he's there, but he likes it. He knows he knows where to be. It is what it is. <laughs> Fair enough. No, but but I rewind a little bit. Andre Drummond in a Hawks uniform kind of terrifies me because Trey Young would immediately be the best point guard Andre Drummond has ever played with. Like ever, yeah. I'm just imagining them in that you know doing their double drag thing, and John Collins is now a plus shooter. I mean, I guess he isn't a plus anything right now since he's uh he's got his own thing going on right now. But in theory, he can shoot now. Under Drummond, giving him a bunch of space to roll down the lane is just gonna be incredibly unfortunate for defenses. Like I, I don't know how you guard that. I mean, I don't. I don't either. And I know that. Once Dre would be on a team that was uh, younger and uh, more exciting, mm-hmm. we'll say, <laughs> he would be maybe more uh, more properly appreciated for what he is. And so he'd have to he'd join the long list of dudes who had to leave Detroit to get shine. And I got just like rip what little hair out some more. <laughs> oh, man. I, I'll say the Hawks fans would love him. Speaking of which, I was in Atlanta um, last week for – Hawks, Bulls, and also Hawks, Kings. The Atlanta crowd was really, really good. And, like, I've been one of the people that has slandered Atlanta Hawks fans over the past decade or so. But, like, it, it seems like they're really coming around on this team. They love Trey Young. They love the young guys. Um, that building was electric, especially the Kings game when Atlanta was making their big third quarter run. Like, they're building something down there. And, like, teams should probably be a little t- – they should be terrified of Trey Young anyway. But like if the rest of the team comes together, like Atlanta's gonna be something serious. Atlanta's always been like a, a sleeping NBA giant, right? Like there's you know, it is a you know, I can I don't have to put this delicately. It's a very black city. It's a yeah. very uh, it's a very popular city for black dudes in their twenties to wanna be in. Yes, it is. They've never really been like a free agent destination. And so if they if they put together a good team and become a free agent destination, mm-hmm. like that would be scary for the rest of the league. The culture team. I'm here for it. They got the uh, they got the crit intro, and I was like, okay, that's that's <laughs> like 
that's four percent of the turnaround right there. <laughs> there you go. And like Sir Foster is just the best in the business. He's incredibly <laughs> great at what he does. Absolutely. All right, Nikias, thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. Uh, again, uh, you can find Nikias on Bleacher Report, Dime, Five Reasons Sports, SB Nation, B-Ball Writers, Twitter. What's your Twitter handle? Nikias NBA. Very original. Very easy to remember. You know, I like it. Uh, Nikias does great film breakdowns of Heat games. Uh, if your team is unfortunate enough to play the Heat during this hot stretch, <laughs> you will definitely enjoy the autopsy as I did this afternoon. Nikias, thanks again for coming on. I, of course, am Lazarus Jackson. You can follow me on Twitter at Last Chance. That's at L A Z C H A N C E. I will not autopsy your team, but I could <laughs> if you want me to. Now, this has been Pistons versus Everybody, and we will talk to y'all next week.